Good morning. Welcome, uh, Liberty Lake Church. And uh, I guess we can call them our cyber family now, as uh, we haven't been hanging out with them too often outside of being here online. So uh, thank you guys for joining us and uh, welcome to the service this morning. I'm pretty excited. We actually have a special guest on this morning, Alan Ulmer. He, he has hair. Um, and so we're really, we're really excited to add some diversity to our, to our uh, speaking uh, regiment today. And uh, we're actually looking forward to the discussion this morning uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And I hope you are um, encouraged and, and finding this time in the Word to be something that's meaningful and, and uplifting uh, to you as well. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let me open us in prayer, and then we'll go through just a couple of announcements real quick. Father, thanks for this time. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all that you do. And Lord, I, I am uh, heavy-hearted for those who are experiencing um, life in the middle of this, this scenario, uh, God, where things are limited, access is limited, uh, services are limited, and um, work is limited. I just pray this morning, Lord, specifically uh, for the family members that we know, our church family members, uh, who are experiencing the pain of jobs, uh, not being available, not being able to work, or or income being um, limited pretty significantly because of uh, the virus uh, protocols that we've taken um, as a as a nation, really. And I just ask, Lord, that you would show yourself to be the provision of your people, as you are faithful to do. And at times, it's hard for us to see. Help us to be your church. Help us to be the light that you've called us to be in the midst of this time in your name. Amen. You want to share with us the upcoming events sure. we have here soon? Yeah, just a few things going on here. Um, youth group is 530 to 630 on Zoom. It's been going very well. Quite entertaining, I'm sure. So um, remember that. Uh, and that is at 530, 630 on Wednesday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday night. Okay, good. Obviously, I haven't been going. <laughs> so when, <laughs> Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. is when we'll have uh, our Wednesday service, and we will have a guest. Ben Abshire is going to be on here. So that will be exciting and, and fun to, to uh, visit with him. Did you know that he's got a new hairstyle? I have heard that he has joined uh, those of us who are, are righteous. Yep. Or, or just lost heads. our hair. Perfect heads, yeah. yeah so. Um, and he'll explain a little bit more about that on Wednesday. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to that. So uh, then next <clears throat> Sunday, again, 10 a.m., we're going to do this again, we assume. So it, uh, it'll be good. Hey, I want to thank everyone. Uh, it's been a special gift uh, for me uh, to hear the stories of people reaching out to one another within the church. I want to thank you uh, to the whole church for the way that we're connecting with one another, reaching out to one another. Um, and it dawned on me this morning as I was thinking through saying thank you to everybody for all of the work that they're doing and connecting, that there may be a few people who haven't been connected or contacted by someone in the church. And I want you to take that as an opportunity to maybe think that we probably just don't have your number. So with that in mind, would you check out our app or the web page and fill out a contact card on there? If you have not heard from somebody in this last week, I would like you to assume that we don't know how to get a hold of you outside of shaking your hand on a Sunday morning. And so if you could do that for me and fill out that contact card, that would help us uh, make sure that somebody in the church has contact information for you and can reach out and make sure you're okay and doing well. 
So thank you to the body for being the body and caring for one another. Uh, and with that in mind, I, I really want to remind us that we are called to be the church. It's, it's our job as the church to shine, to be the light in this time when things are difficult and um, when people are in despair and when they're concerned and desperate and worried and anxious. It's our privilege and honor to be the light. So go shine. Shine with your neighbors and, and reach out to those around you um, and let them know. In the, in the area of needs, we, uh, you, you, we need to know what the needs are. So be sure that you are connecting with your neighbors. Let us know what those needs are and communicate them with us. Um, that's one of the ways that we can help shine in our community, shine in our neighborhoods, and be the light of the gospel um, during this, this wonderful opportunity for growth. Does that make it feel any better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was my thoughts <laughs> as well. Um, so let's, let's continue on this morning. Uh, we're going to take some time and just sing and praise the Lord. Would you uh, feel free to sing in your homes as loud as your family can tolerate and uh, join us this morning as we exalt God through music as well. Won't you join us with Man of Sorrows this morning? Hold on me 
whom the sun sets free oh is free indeed now my debt is paid it is paid in full by the precious blood that my jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on me whom the sun sets free oh is free salvation where your love poured out over me now my soul cries out hallelujah praise and honor unto thee oh that rugged cross my salvation where your love poured out over me now my soul Been born. 
your children and uh, we just relinquish all control to you in this time father and uh, we ask a blessing on what Shane is going to be speaking to us today uh, with Alan and Craig and I pray that all of our friends out in internet land would uh, join us uh, in worship in that respect we love you and we thank you in Jesus name amen amen thank you guys for uh leading us in music today, and uh, what a privilege it is to be here and, and to be able to sing with one another. Even though we can't hear one another like we do on Sunday mornings, it's still a privilege to do that. Um, isn't it amazing how, how the music still touches your heart and um, still affects us as we, as we lift up his name, as we exalt God in that way? So I want to welcome Alan Ulmer. He's joining us today. Alan, what do you do? Kind of what's your, what's your career uh, history? How, how would people recognize your craft? Well, uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here with you all um, under <clears throat> these circumstances. Um, I uh, have been a general contractor, had my own business for 30 years, 
Um, thankfully, I retired a couple years ago, and so this uh, glitch in the economy and uh, activities that we're all used to hasn't really upset me all that much. Um, I have numerous projects I, I'm working on, but I'm able to work by myself most of the time so I can do the social distancing that uh, is a, a good idea these days. Um, along with the assistance of other fellows from the church upon occasion, um, done several things here at the church, uh, one of which is the the stonework, which is here behind us. Yeah. Thankfully, we did that uh, right before all of this happened right. so that we could sit here and have this as a, a nice backdrop to what we're doing. Um, another project I'm involved with is uh, an old house that we own, the church owns, that uh, we're remodeling and preparing for missionaries to stay in, as well as other opportunities that may come uh, with people in need, uh, people coming through that need a place to stay at a moment's notice. Um, so I pretty much do my usual thing. I get up in the morning, prepare, and go off to work and do what I do. And, and I don't have to worry about the business part of things anymore. I just get to do the fun stuff. Yeah, Alan is a huge blessing to us as a body. Um, he is involved with a lot of the projects around here and has been a great gift. One of the things you may not know, and if you're not part of our church, Alan actually covers the pulpit not only for us, uh, but uh, several other churches call on him from time to time when when they need somebody to preach and and uh, to wrestle with the Word of God uh, for them and with them. And so it's a great privilege to have you here. Thanks for joining us uh, this you. morning. You guys are in for a great treat. We're going to watch Jesus teach as he normally does in gentle, kind, and very lenient uh, directions uh, as, as he gives, uh, the disciples a challenging lesson again this morning in Mark chapter 10, we're starting out in verses one through 10. I don't know about you guys, but it, it, these kind of passages remind me of my childhood of times where I thought I knew what I didn't know. And then I got learned in what I didn't know. Cause I opened my mouth and I, I hate those lessons. I just, I don't enjoy that at all anymore. And and I really, that's probably one of the things that I wish the Lord would have let me do is have a job where I didn't open my mouth as much because there'd be less opportunity for me to be educated, um, you know, exposing what I don't know. But this morning, uh, the passage is in Mark 10, and, and we're going to be looking at, at uh, Jesus handling marriage while he's teaching his disciples. Um, and I just, I love this passage. I love, the, I love what's behind it, and we're going to try and, and dig into that. And, and expose that this morning. Um, would you prepare your hearts and open your Bibles and find Mark chapter 10 with us this morning? I've asked Craig to read that passage for us today. <clears throat> so Mark 10, we're going to be in verses 1 through 12. And he left there, and he went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, 
God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Another one of these uh, great times where we see Jesus actually engaging, teaching his disciples. Um, we were talking earlier, and Alan, you were mentioning how um, we see Jesus actually beginning down the road towards Jerusalem. So this, this path that he's making for the triumphal entry, which is coming soon, uh, in, in our text, <clears throat> he's actually engaged in that process. He's moving there. Um, and these crowds are still gathering and he's still teaching. We were talking a little bit about what do we think he was teaching on? Um, it probably had a little bit to do with Beatitudes. It could have been something along the lines of the marriage stuff that's going on here. But what we do know is that the Pharisees are going to be testing him in this time. And most likely, from what we can see in the text, it's, this has been going on during most of his ministry, correct? Yes. You would, you would, I mean, that seems to be the pattern. They're going after him. Um, and, and trying to trip him up. You had talked a little bit about maybe some of what they were trying to get uh, him to stumble on. Would you just share that with our, with our family? Oh, yeah. um, th- that, that wrestling of the, the conservative and liberal positions that were available at that point in time? Absolutely. Uh, the, the place where Jesus has moved to to teach is outside of Galilee, uh, away from Capernaum, which he had used as a home base. And now he's in a region of Judea, uh, east of the Jordan River, an area that is under the control of the Herod, who had John the Baptist put in prison and then eventually killed because of John the Baptist's teaching against Herod's unlawful marriage, which was an adulterous union, uh, of which Jesus addresses in this text in Mark. Potentially, the Pharisees, in trying to trap Jesus, either wanted simply to have the crowds turn against Jesus, because that was what was bothering them so much, is so many people were following Jesus, coming out to see him. Right. Um, And in doing that, if he were to take one or the other of the approaches of the liberal or the conservative view, he's going to be at odds with a number of people. But the other more likely trap, potentially for their benefit, would be that Jesus would say something that would offend Herod, which would cause Herod to take action against Jesus so they wouldn't have to. But the the conservative view looked at the law and the teaching in the law in Deuteronomy, which we'll see here momentarily, as being the conservative view was only based on some kind of a marital infidelity, either premarital, where the woman was not a virgin, or something that happened extramarital within the situation after their marriage. Uh, the liberal view, which was the more prominent view at Jesus' time, obviously everyone likes the liberal view because then you have much more 
freedom. And of course, Herod took advantage of that. Uh, but the liberal view was, if my wife offends me, does something that I don't like, then I have the right to simply write her a certificate of divorce, send her away, and then I'm free to go on my merry way, marry again or whatever. And so there's this situation where they are asking Jesus this question, and the text makes it clear that they don't just ask him one simple question. There's a perpetuation here where they're, they're baiting him, trying to get him to talk himself into a corner and create a problem for himself. Right. And what's so amazing is how intelligent they believe they are. And clearly they don't see Christ as being the Christ of John chapter one, who was with God in the beginning and was, was, was the word and was God and, and created all things that were created. And so um, it's always dangerous when you argue with the guy that made it. Absolutely. And uh, they keep yeah. doing this. It's it's part of, if you will, from the outside, it's part of the entertaining side of watching the Pharisees try and trap Jesus because he's brilliant. Because he is the son of God. He knows. He's got it. And he's got the plan. He's got the process down. I, I just love that. So what they're trying to trap him in is divorce. That's where they're going. Yes. And so they, they ask him that question, a leading question. And, and Jesus handles it perfectly. He takes them all the way back to their law, which they claim to know, they claim to live by, they claim to have followed perfectly. That's why they're righteous and nobody else is. That, that's the whole point of the Pharisees' uh, position on this. And so let's just take a second, like you said, and go to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, and we'll read this law that they're actually looking at, this offering of a certificate of divorce. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, um, that's towards the front of my Bible, and hopefully you can find that as well. Would you read that for us, Absolutely. Alan? Deuteronomy 24, beginning verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then he finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the latter man hates her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, and puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife, then her former husband, who sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife, after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. So the question is, what did Moses say? That's what Jesus says. He goes back and what, what is Moses actually saying? And uh, the, the point being that uh, he, he pointed him back to the certificate about being in the purity of marriage. And, and and all of those things. Now the argument was over this idea of of indecency, or uh, the Hebrews were arguing over what how that word was translated at that time. The Pharisees were um, trying to figure out who who has the right translation, and so they were they were making up uh, all all kinds of uh, 
uh, what occasions for the flesh, I guess you would say, absolutely. or allowances for the flesh. Excuses. In, yeah. Excuses, absolutely. Um, but Jesus seems to address the issue of the I love how he takes this right to the heart, right? And, and when they make their response about the certificate of divorce, Jesus goes right to the issue of the heart. And he, and he says it's because of the hardness of your heart. I love how he doesn't say it was because of the hardness of their heart that this that that was a nuance that I grabbed this week. I'm like, wait a minute. He just punched him right in the proverbial mouth with that text. This is an issue of your heart. That's why this command was given was because of the hardness of your heart. Craig, would you read Hebrews 3 uh, verses 7 through 11? For us, as we as we consider the hardness of hearts in this process. Okay, Hebrews three seven through eleven. Uh, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said. They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. A couple other uh, cross-references. If you're taking notes and you want to write those down, um, I suppose I uh, reminded again, I totally forgot to let you know there's notes online. If you go onto our webpage right at the, at the top header, it says sermon notes. You can print these up. Um, they'll be available to you there. Uh, but Mark chapter 3 Verse 5, Mark chapter 6, verse 52, both of those, Jesus is speaking to the hardness of the disciples' hearts, the hardness of the people's hearts in those moments. What I love about Hebrews is that it actually ties us back to Psalm 97. That's one of the spots that this is quoted from, also connected to that, all the way back to Deuteronomy, where Moses is, is hearing from God about the, the, how the Israel is provoking him to wrath. They're constantly, with the hardness of their heart, provoking him to wrath, choosing to not know him, choosing to live in obedience to him. In fact, if you go back to the Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11, it actually says that, that he uh, he, what was the, the, the word that he used in that, um, when he talked about, uh, dealing with that generation for 40 years, um, that, that I'm going to just go back and, and catch up. Cause I can't remember the exact wording, but it was so good. Um, that you, you have to see this because it's the heart of God. It's the graciousness of God as he communicates to the people of Israel's. Oh yeah, that's right. It was loathed. That's the word that I was looking for. God says in in this process, in the Deuteronomy 9 passage that is quoted here in Psalms 95, he goes, I've, for 40 years, I've loathed this generation. I've loathed them. I'm not sure if that's really how we want God to feel about us. I'm not thinking that's the best position to be in, but it reveals the hardness of our hearts, right? Um, I don't like that. Not a, not a, not a big fan that that's a reality of my life, of what I see when I read scripture, when I see this kind of truth and I begin to have to exercise, um, that, that process. Well, we take, it always comes back to the original sin in that we try and put ourselves on the throne. Mm -hmm. We are such idolaters 
that we continue to forget that it's about the creator, not us, the created. And we keep trying to climb back on a throne that we have no authority to climb onto anyway. And once, if we were ever to get there, we would have no ability to rule yeah. as God does. Yeah. And um, our focus is just completely wrong. We're, it's the hardness of our heart. It's because mm-hmm. we're born with sin. We're born dead. Yeah. And isn't that what Jesus is trying to do, right? In the next, I mean, that's right where he takes them because he doesn't just leave it at the hardness of your heart, but he goes all the way back to creation. And I love that. I love what he does in that text um, in our passage of Mark, because his, his answer to them is uh, after, because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote this commandment to you, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Um, If we were to jump back to Genesis right now, um, Let's just jump back there. We're going to read just a couple of verses out of Genesis. It's, it's three, um, four verses there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Um, that's the reference, I believe. Jesus is quoting uh, back to the people. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then if we jump down to uh, Genesis 2.18, we actually see this beautiful verse on marriage. Um, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Uh, and then it, continuing on in uh, chapter two of Genesis, all the way to verses 23 and 24. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I love that he takes us back to the plan of God. It, 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 wasn't like, it wasn't like Jesus was saying, oh, this marriage is a great idea because it'll be better for your life. You'll, you'll, your family will be better. Your marriages, your, your work life will be better. Uh, all of these things. He didn't even point at the values that come from us following God's plan. He pointed them back to this being God's original plan. And the integrity, the in, intentionality um, of that plan. And I know that we were wrestling with, with how we see marriage, how we see the value of this. Um, we had actually talked a little bit about the fact that in this creation process, it deals with some of the cultural hot topics of the day, of, of the idea of uh, gender being somehow neutral of whether or not this was God's plan from the beginning or whether or not it's just a cosmic accident and everything just seems to flow and, and move around. Um, and I, I believe that Jesus seems to think that from the very beginning, there was a plan. There was a purpose. Do you guys ever find that in your marriage, it feels like it's God's plan? So therefore it's easy. Well, I don't know that it, you can say easy or hard because those are very isolated terms. Yeah. Um, but I knew from the very beginning, uh, from prior circumstances in my life, other relationships that when I met my wife before we were married, it was very obvious. There was no question that she was the one that God had prepared for me. Um, in fact, just an aside note, uh, 38 years, eight months, and four days ago, I stood on this very platform and pronounced to the world that God had put us together. 
And that has been a blessing for that whole time. Now, again, easy or hard are relative terms in situations. But the overarching idea was, this is the woman God brought to me. Yeah. And brought me to. And so there was no question that whatever is necessary is what I need to be working towards. And that's interesting that that's where the Pharisees got tripped up. They were focusing on the law aspect of the the certificate of divorce. And how do we be able to do that lawfully? Instead of focusing on the part where Jesus takes them and says, no, this was God's plan from the beginning, that optimally a man and a woman would be united and stay together permanently. Right, right. Uh, this was God's creation. In fact, in the text we just looked at in Genesis chapter 127, there's a Hebrew idiom there that in Hebrew, to emphasize something, they would repeat it. Uh, we emphasize with exclamation points or high, you know, big letters, other things. But he repeats it three times. God did the creating. Yep. God created man. He created him. He created them. Emphasis back on if God made it that way, who are we to try to make it some other way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. Although what I've just realized is that I cannot multitask and do math and talk to you at the same time because I was trying to figure out the days from when I made my profession of love to my bride, but I'm failing on that. I know it's been over 25 years. Excellent. <laughs> love you, baby. Um, <laughs> so the reality is that that is so true. Be, and and here, the problem with when we, when we come to this marriage thing, we, we were talking about this earlier. We really want a culture. We want a system. We want a process in following God. That's easy. We want to find a way to take God's plan and, and adjust it just a little bit so it's more comfortable for us. Uh, you know, we're talking about marriage today, but I, what I appreciate, Craig, as we were interacting back in the back, you were reminding us that it's more than just marriage. Um, it, this is about God's plan for our life. So it includes, it, it doesn't just include the issue of divorce that the Pharisees were wrestling with Jesus with. It includes every area that we want to try and take God's plan and we want to adjust it a little bit so it gives us the freedom or the the allowance for our flesh, the the, the dead flesh that lives in us that fights against the, the spirit where we want to take that plan of God's and tweak it just enough so that we can experience what we want. We can, we can have our idolatry and, and, and our cake as well, if, if you will. And it's amazing how quickly we turn that stuff around. And that, I believe, was the purpose in the plan for marriage, was so that we would see this relationship between God and man and recognize that we can't short-circuit it. There, there's not a free or an easy way around this process of becoming the bride of Christ or being the bride of Christ in, in, in regards to obedience, in regards to surrender, in regard to confession of sin and recognizing the failed attempts of our flesh to do good in light of the goodness of God. We just can't make it there. Um, I love what, what Paul says in Ephesians. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Craig, would you mind reading that passage for us again? 522 through 33 this morning. I get there, yeah. I'm almost Ephesians there. 5, 22 through 33. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's so interesting when we get into texts like this, one of the first things that we tend to do is we, we tend to look at these and go, I don't like what that says or I don't like what this says. Um, I, I've shared this with many of you before that part of the challenge for me in this marriage verse is just living selflessly. I'm good at self-living. I'm good at doing what's best for Shane or what I think is best for Shane or what Shane wants. That's, that's really, um, if it was a spiritual gift, I'd be rocking that. But it's not. And it's a challenge when we see this. The beauty in, in this particular passage is if you read the verse right before it, it says, submit therefore one to another out of reference uh, to Christ, which that's that encompasses the whole church. That's everybody. So the submitting thing isn't just for the brides. It's not just for children. It's for all of us, one for another. But then uh, uh, Paul explains how the family life, how the work life, all of that begins to lay out. Because if you go farther, it's children and parents, bond slaves and masters. I mean, he, he takes it into a broader perspective of this is how the relationship between God and man looks as it's exercised and illustrated in the hearts of people. And it's a big deal. This is a huge deal. Um, not because uh, it, it's somehow a bigger sin than anything else. We've talked about all the different ways in which, just because we haven't screwed up completely in our marriages, um, and, and other people have had the, the pain of divorce and the difficulty and, and the, 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 um, the effects of divorce uh, just rip through their families. It doesn't mean that God's love is not present. It doesn't mean that his grace is not present um, for us. And I, I think that um, the challenge for us is to remember that as we're looking at God's plan, uh, it's intended to reveal his glory, his grace, his kindness, his mercy, his holiness, his righteousness, all of the character and values of who he is, so that when we see our hearts, when, it, when we become broken and we fall on our face because of the, the darkness and the wretchedness of our hearts, we have the right thing to look back up to. And that part is encouraging to me. Um, I apologize for, for running us through, but I, I, I want to move us on to our last point um, this morning, which is the disciples are really struggling with this, right? 
And I'll just, I'll be the first one to say it. There's so much in here. We were, we were, we were uh, in the back. We were spinning off into the sovereignty of God issues. We were talking about salvation. We were talking about all, there was all kinds of different uh, accurate directions we could go from this to teach principles of who God is. But I love how the disciples wrap this up because in my heart and in my mind, I think this is one of the few times that the disciples started to understand what Jesus was saying. Like they began to get a real glimpse. And so they took him aside. They're back in the house and they want to talk to him about this particular teaching. Um, would, Alan, would you read Matthew chapter 19, verses 6 through 10? That's the, um, that's the Matthew's account of this particular event. And I love what we, we actually see the disciples have a little bit more dialogue. Mark doesn't give us all of this, but I, I love how the disciples end this in verse 10. And let's talk about that for just a second after you read that passage. Matthew chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let not man separate. They, which is the Pharisees, said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. So they kind of got a hold of it there, didn't they? Now, were they, was that what Jesus was trying to teach them, was that they just shouldn't get married? No. What, what was the bigger picture there? As, as you, we were talking about that back in the back, what, what was he trying to communicate to the disciples at that point with the context of marriage? The highest view of marriage yeah. ultimately was a, an unbreakable union. Yeah. Um, Something that God did. That God did. Uh, when the text says what God has joined is literally yoked. It's the vision of the perfect team of animals, the perfect team of people put together for the purpose of accomplishing God's plan and giving God the glory for that plan. Yeah. Uh, the problem was with the Pharisees and what could have tripped up the disciples was they're looking at the how do I get out of this if I want out of it? Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, you should be looking the other direction. What do I do to this union? What do I do to maintain this situation in which God has placed me, this partner that God has given me, that he has united me with? What do I do to, to keep that yeah. and to honor that and to demonstrate that? For us, he has given us the church as the bride of Christ and the union with Christ that we have that is unbreakable. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Uh, we tend to want to break our marriage contract covenant. We tend to want to say, how can I downplay it? How can I make it 
easier, but Jesus says, I will go the full distance in order to maintain that union with my bride. And that's what husbands should do. That's what wives should do. That's the ultimate. Yeah. That's and the high calling of the marriage. The high calling of marriage. Yeah. And the disciples saw that as, wow, if it's that serious, maybe I'm not ready to jump into that right. union. Maybe I better step back and say, nah, I don't think I want to do that yet. I, I just, part of my heart, I think, I wonder if that's at some point, if that's what they were thinking about following Jesus. They're like, had we known <laughs> all that was encompassed with this, uh, maybe, you know, maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they wouldn't have signed up in the beginning. Um, had they understood the significance, I I don't know. It, it's amazing to me um, this whole per, this whole point of of marriage and and the gift that that we have in marriage um, is is astounding to me. And the way that God designed it um, is n- nothing short of baffling, really. To take two people that are so opposite at times and to over a lifetime help them cause them to be yoked or joined together and become one. Um, what a beautiful picture. Uh, we're going to actually wrap up our morning this morning. We know that there's a ton more in the text. I want to encourage you um, to continue this dialogue, continue to wrestle with, with, with the text and, and take the time to read and pray through this uh, text with your family, especially your, your, your young your young adults who are thinking about marriage, it'd be a great time to, to walk with them through this perspective of marriage. Um, we're going to close with a song. Would you hang out with me? I just have a couple of closing thoughts that I want to share with you as we um, leave this morning. Would you join us with O Come to the Altar? Father's arms are open. 
open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, what a sin Thanks again for joining us tonight. Uh, wait, wrong one. This morning, it's not even. We're not even there yet. I was actually thinking about Wednesday night. That was what was on my head, on my heart. Um, I want to encourage you. Uh, I asked. I challenged some of the young people in our church, some of the kids, to get us your favorite verse or, or a favorite Bible joke. Uh, we haven't heard from anybody. So if you have one that you want us to possibly share on a Wednesday night, you got to get that into us this week via email. 
um, check with your parents and have them help you get that sent to us here at the church. I want to encourage you this morning. If you have found in your life, as you're looking at these these things, whether you've been through divorce, you're experiencing those things, you're, you're, you're struggling in areas of sin or uh, any of those things in your life, if, if you're like me and you read the text and you begin to see the pain of the blackness, the darkness of our heart, the, the, the dead flesh that wars against the Spirit in us, uh, I think the only thing that we can do, the only right thing we can do is to respond to that by, by going to 1 John 1, 9, by recognizing the gift that is in Jesus Christ. And it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Brothers and sisters, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in your walk with God, in your marriage, in your homes, in your your faith journey, in your understanding of Scripture, your understanding of sin, wherever that is, as you read the text and it convicts your heart, I want to encourage you to go to your knees and confess the sin, those issues to the Lord. We talked last week about asking for wisdom. If we don't know what to do, we can go to him. And this is that time, and, and these are moments where we should do that. Is to say, God, I, I have sin in my life. I have issues that I struggle with. My flesh is constantly wanting to be on the throne. My flesh is constantly wanting to be in charge and to take you out, to change your plan, to make it better fit my desires or my fleshly desires. And we need to confess that with the Lord. And the beauty is that his promise is that he will make us right. So would you close with me this morning? And and I just want you to, wherever you're at, just close your eyes, bow your head, and we're going to ask God to address those issues in our life. Father, this morning, I confess, God, that my heart still wants to be in charge. I I don't like dying to myself. I struggle to be your man and and to live in my home as a godly man like Christ did, to die to myself, to put my bride and my family's needs above my own, to acknowledge the sin and the temptations in my life, the the fleshly desires that I have, and to acknowledge that that they are in opposition to you. God, this morning, I confess that is true in my life, and I am grateful and thankful that you have made me right through the blood of Jesus Christ. That, God, I've gone from death to life because of my Savior Jesus. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would overwhelm our hearts with that reality. And that, God, when we see the blackness of our heart, when we recognize those truths, where your word reveals those things, that we would fall on our knees and we would confess them before you. We would acknowledge that you are God and that you are right. And that we need you on the throne. Help us to see marriage the way you see marriage. Help us to to hold it in high regard as our culture is rampantly running away from that truth. And honestly, we as the church would be glad if you were to lighten up on some of your policies. That's really, I think, how we see them at times. And yet it's not a policy, it's your character. 
It's the truth of who you are that you're calling us to be. Change our minds, change our hearts to be like yours. Your name. Amen. God bless, and we will see you guys next week.